episode of Papa Bear Hikes. At the end of every episode, I always tell everybody to be safe when they go out and enjoy the outdoors. Well, there's a lot that goes into being safe. And knowledge isn't doesn't guarantee us that we're going to be safe. But what we can do is we can learn what we can do to protect ourselves or increase our chances of getting out with less of an injury than we might have started with, or I mean, things could ending worse than they could if we're prepared for these injuries. Uh, we, like I said, the knowledge isn't going to stop the injuries from happening. Uh, seasoned hikers are always getting hurt on the trail, but how do you get out of that? How do you deal with the injuries? Today we have with us Dr. Robert Scanlon. Dr. Scanlon is a board certified critical care medicine, pulmonary medicine, sleep medicine, and internal medicine. His areas of interest include life support systems in the defense industry and wildlife medicine. Dr. Robert Scanlon, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes. Thank you so much for having me on. So, Dr. Scanlon or Rob, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself? Let me get started by doing that. You're a doctor, but you obviously have an interest in the outdoors. Tell yes. us a little bit about, about that. Uh, so, um, I guess it was, you know, when I was in my, uh, early thirties, I, I went out and practice and, uh, it was, you know, it was pretty, pretty grueling specialty. I, I happened to fall into, uh, you, you know, you never know the realities of things until you're, you're in it. And, uh, so one of my escapes, you know, started as, as hiking. And, um, so, uh, there was a, a group from my local hospital. Now, this is in, at the time in uh, the very top of North Jersey on the border of New York State. And uh, so every weekend, this sort of group of you know doctors, nurses, et cetera, from the hospital, we'd all get together in uh, Slotesburg, New York at the Dunkin' Donuts, uh, for those of you out there who are familiar with that area. And we used to hike in Harriman State Park, uh, primarily uh, Bear Mountain, et cetera, on the weekends for you know a handful of hours. And and um, so I, I started off not knowing a lot and uh, and learning from uh, you know from the uh, the others who were in the group and who had been hikers for for a long longer period of time. So that that that's what really uh, started my 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 love for the outdoors. And just found a, a piece out there that I hadn't found elsewhere. And so, uh, so I really took to it and, and really enjoyed it and, and got deeper uh, into it as, as much as life would allow, of course. Yeah, I've hiked some of the trails around Bear Mountain and it is beautiful. And, and, and you've got to stop yourself every once in a while and say, wait a minute, we're, we're only you know, maybe an hour, hour and a half from New York City and there's all this beauty right here in our backyard. Right. Right. Hard to believe. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that New York isn't beautiful, but wilderness, right, that you can uh, experience. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, flying out to the Rockies and, and experiencing the, you know, the 14ers. Uh, you know, there, there's plenty of and, and pretty, pretty challenging uh, hiking just, you know, just right outside the city, like you said. Right. Because we we're both from outside the city and we spoke about this earlier and, uh, I've had to tell people that you don't have to, like you said, you don't have to live out in Colorado and, and do the 14ers or up in the Adirondacks to get out and start enjoying the, the wilderness. Right, right, right. Absolutely. And I, I was fortunate at the time to have it you know, virtually in my backyard. Uh, I had since moved uh, to the Southeast and uh, so I'm, I'm further from the mountains than I wish to be. So it's a, uh, so it's a several hour uh, drive, uh, actually probably more like four to five hour drive to, uh, to the beginnings of the AT in, uh, North of Atlanta. So, uh, so I, I didn't know how good I had it, um, you know, <laughs> until I, until I got to my current location. Right. Who would think moving out of New Jersey, you'd be moving, moving further away from the opportunities right. to enjoy an outdoor experience, right? <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> so those of you listening, there's far more to New Jersey than the shore and oil refineries. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, so I guess the next natural question is how did I, you know, how did I get into wilderness medicine? I don't, I don't mean to jump the gun, but I'm sure that's the natural next question. You, have, you read my mind. That's where we're going. 
And, you know, and certainly, uh, you know, in, in my specialty in critical care medicine, um, you know, so that for the, for those who don't know out there, uh, so that's basically the care of patients in the intensive care unit. And, uh, it's, it's a really high pressure, high, uh, you know, high tension, uh, emotional, uh, area of the hospital uh, where we, take care of patients is kind of like what ER goes through on the, on the television shows. But the, the, the advantage that ER has is that they, they can see a patient they, they stabilize them and they hand them off to somebody else to manage for the next week to 10 days. And it's equally as a roller coaster ride for those 10 days as it was for the one or two hours for the emergency doc. Uh, and so, um, so, so I'm used to uh, being at a uh, sort of a, in, in an uncertain circumstances and working in sort of the extremes of medical illness. And wilderness medicine is is really uh, an extension of of you know internal medicine, a little bit of surgery involved, et cetera. But 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 it's it, it's not terribly different than what I already know. And, uh, and, and, you know, certainly when, when the profession and, and only those in the profession really know that it, it really takes, uh, way more from you than, than you'd like to give once, you know, you have a family and you want to have some personal time and everything else. And so I've, I've, I've been in this process of wanting to evolve and, um, it was a lot of soul searching and to try to figure out how do I, evolve uh, professionally, personally, uh, with what I already know. I, I don't want to go back and get a master's degree for another $100,000 in debt. What do I want to do to, to use the knowledge I have and parlay that into helping others in, in perhaps a different way? And, um, and wilderness medicine, you know, because of my love for the outdoors, uh, was, was probably the most natural place for me to go. Um, and so, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I started, you know, getting further into it, just doing reading, you know, I read, uh, through Paul Auerbach's, uh, book of, of wilderness medicine. Um, and, uh, and then I started going to conferences, uh, with the, uh, wilderness medicine society and, uh, really just truly just fell deeply in love with, uh, with, you know, the, the challenge of helping and assessing patients in remote and austere environments without the help of lab work and x-rays and such, and you're, you're just relying on you. And, uh, and it's kind of what, uh, you know, although I do have those, those things in the ICU, there's a lot of things that will happen on the fly that I don't have the luxury of time to order and, and get the answers back from. So, so it's a lot of self-reliance in that. And it was, it, it was kind of, more, uh, you know, more for me to geek out about, I guess, uh, medicinally. And, uh, and, and, you know, where, where I've really wanted to take the wilderness medicine part is, uh, is, and, and you touched upon it in the beginning, in the intro, that uh, there's, there's a lot of, of, of bad stuff that happens out there and not to novice hikers. Um, you know, the U S national park service data for decades is and it's pretty much the same thing that every week, six hikers die and another 92 require rescue from mountain rescue teams in U S national parks alone. And that's, that's excluding state parks, ex- excluding, you know, other parks that are not within the U S national park system. And, uh, that's a, it's a terrible amount of people and it amounts to what, uh, 310 lives per year and, uh, uh just under 5,000 rescued per year. And, you know, and as a physician, you know, that, that, that bothers me, uh, you know, in loss of life or, or need for rescue. So looking deeper into those, those, those the data, you know, the top five reasons that, that people, die and and you know also includes in the in the numbers that uh require rescue you know top five are are falling drowning hypothermia heat injury like uh heat stroke and heat exhaustion and avalanches and the majority of those five things are fairly 
preventable. Um, and and again, as as you were you were mentioning, you know, turning, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's there's plenty of of um, experienced hikers and backpackers, through hikers, etc., that are are you know they're pretty proud of of the uh, the experiences they've had and, and the knowledge they have. And, 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 but, um, but, but the, those folks who go out with the mindset of what are the chances are likely to be amongst those people who, who lose life or, or need rescue. And, and my thing is to bring the, the presence of mind, that preparation mindset, so instead of the what are the chances something's going to happen, turn that into what could possibly happen and what can I do in those scenarios and bring with me to actually survive for an unplanned night over or you know in a bad scenario I you know roll my ankle on a you know on, on a, you know in the middle of nowhere and I, I can't walk out to to my vehicle what do I do? And uh, so, so that's really where I want to bring that that patient education. Yeah, because I've always tried to approach it from the perspective of you know I've been hiking, you know, most of my life I've been doing outdoor activities, you know, from backpacking to canoeing, biking. But I always like to think of the what if. I'm sitting here today, you know, less than 24 hours from now, I'll be asleep on the trail somewhere. I'm leaving first thing in the morning, and going through my bag this afternoon saying, okay, what are the things I need to do for the what ifs? Uh, And and when you say, you know, sometimes it's that seasoned person, that person who has the experience, they let their guard down. I've seen it myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm a triple crowner. I can, you know, hike anything and I can navigate any situation. But as I tell people, nobody steps out of the house or gets out of the car and gets on a trail and says, you know, today's the day I'm going to slip on a rock and need stitches or, you know, possibly break a bone. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, in the preparation, you're like, well, and the what ifs, going through the what ifs, and, and you you may not be prepared for all of them. You'd, you'd have to bring you know a van full of, of equipment, <laughs> but for the things that for the the likeliest things to happen under the circumstances, yeah, I and mean, that's that's a question we should all be asking ourselves. Now, I pretty much bring a first aid kit with me that you know I, over the years I've just looked at it in terms of if something happened. What do I need to get myself to safety or to keep myself safe until somebody walks past and sees me? If, if in any event that I'm by myself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I'm hiking with my friends, I, it's kind of, you know, it's a similar thing, but it's kind of like, do I have what I need for anybody in our group if somebody doesn't have what they need? Um, and I, you know, for me, it's just a peace of mind. I just, you know, whether it's me or the people I'm in my group, I, I just kind of like to approach my, my kit with, do I have what I need to get us to safety? Because none of us, none of us are doctors, but as an ICU doctor, I, I'm sure you've got plenty of stories to tell us that of how critical it is that those first moments and then getting somebody the the medical, the proper medical attention they need. Absolutely, yeah, the, it definitely. Uh, time time is life, absolutely. Um, and uh, and you know, and you know, you know, it. it I. I it kills me, you know, when I've, I've gone, you know, out there and, and I'll see, you know, young families come out there, not a backpack on them, not a bottle of water on them. And they're dragging their, their little ones and their dogs. And, and, uh, I'm like, Oh my God, these, these folks are just doomed to, 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 to get into a bad situation. Uh, you know, they're dehydration or there's something, you know, if they're that unprepared for, you know, if they don't know what they're they're going to face, then and they don't have a bottle of water with them, then they don't have like things like first aid kits, and and perhaps you know I don't know what they have as knowledge wise, but but they may not have the knowledge of what's out there, and and really, uh, I shouldn't say respect for the outdoors, but respect for the the perils of the outdoors, and um, you know, what was it last week or the, or the week prior? We there was two tragic stories that came out of Montana um, and, you know, both experienced backpackers. Uh, one woman was, was dragged out of her tent by a grizzly bear and, yeah. and mauled. And then, uh, and the last I had heard, the other was a 23 year old experienced backpacker was solo hiking in, in Montana and was supposed to return on, I think July 5th and hadn't, hadn't returned. And, uh, 
And so I think the risk, you know, the rescue crews are still trying to look, but I think they've perhaps given up and, and I don't know how well or poorly prepared they were, but, but, but certainly, you know, you want to, you want to examine these very circumstances and figure out like, what did they do wrong and what could have they, they have done better. And, and hopefully we can learn from these, these instances where those who have who've not done well in the, in the environment. Um, yeah, I had a bear expert on recently. And, and she talked about pretty much what you were saying, that the people that are involved in these incidents with bears are sometimes, you'd be surprised how much experience they have. And she was talking about the need for bringing bear spray with you. And she had cited some examples, and some were very, fairly recent, where she pointed out they may have still been injured, but they could have saved their lives. You know, having right. a bear spray with them, you know, and it's just, you know, these aren't the band-aids and antiseptics you think about putting in your first aid kit, but it's part of being prepared for worst case scenarios. Uh, yes, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, of, of course I don't know all the details, so I, I don't, I don't pretend to, you know, to be Monday morning quarterbacking, but the, the one thing I had read from the, uh, from the, from the grizzly bear uh, incident was that uh, they had noted the bear coming through the, the camp uh, earlier in the night and they, quickly got their food together and tried to store it away. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, if, if you're going to be out there, it, never, ever, I mean, you know, from what I know, never ever cook your food in the place you're going to be most vulnerable and, and sleeping, you know, you'd want to, you know, get out your jet boil like two miles out from where you plan on, on, you know, uh, doing your RON. And, uh, you know, and let the smell permeate there and not when you're going to be in a tent and, and completely vulnerable to, uh, to a, a big hungry animal. And, uh, so I, that, that might've been, and, you know, and I, again, I don't know the, the exact circumstances of the food situation, but it, you know, if, if they were, God forbid, were preparing food in that camp and, you know, that might've been a, a, a thing that they could have done differently to, to get a different outcome. Yeah, it's a true story. Couple, I was, nine, it was 2018. I was hiking the Long Trail in Vermont, and I had gotten to know this young man because we had camped at the same places for two or three nights in a row. And we got on the topic of food storage. And I, he saw me walking off to hang my my bag of food, and he very proudly said, "You know, I slept with my food every night in my tent and never got attacked by a bear." And I just turned around and said, "Huh? Is that?" That's so. You haven't been attacked yet, huh? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's hope we don't find out tonight while we're sharing a lean-to and you feel the need to bring your food in there. <laughs> but hopefully I'll go for you first. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just taking your chances. And, you know, odds are you might not be, you know, in the path of a, of a bear your entire hiking life. But for those who will, and, and those mistakes can, can cost you big. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is people, again, letting their guard down. You know, I've done this, you know, yeah, it's raining. Oh, I've cooked underneath the, the canopy of my tent before. I can, you know, this shouldn't be a problem. And, you know, you know, you, we used to teach this to the kids in Boy Scouts. You know, you, you kind of look at it, all right, you know, find out which way the wind's blowing. You know, make sure you, you're cooking your food here and don't ever bring any food past there. Make sure everybody empty out your pockets before you go into the tent at night. Don't even yeah. bring candy wrappers in with you. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible high quality products that they offer for those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Right, right, right. Absolutely. And uh, so, so the you know, if, if we can examine these, you know, it seems like every week you you see another news article about these these instances, and uh, 
And so, so you know, what we want to try to do is 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 learn from these things and say, well, what what you know could they have done differently? What you know, what what are the teaching moments? If anything good can come from a, a tragic event such as these, you know, uh, you know, perhaps the rest of us can learn what what you know how to do things a little differently uh, than others have. Um, and I hope that doesn't sound morbid or, or what have you, but. Uh, but that's that's the only way we 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 learn in medicine. Uh, you know, uh, you know, people with with heart disease die because they have high cholesterol diets and you know drink too much water when they have congestive heart failure, et cetera. So that's the educational points that we really stress to patients down the road, you know, down the line. Yeah, as a doctor, you know this better than I would. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but yeah, sometimes it's we learn from tragedies more than we do from. Successes. Some success. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah just recently, uh, just a few days ago, a hiker was rescued up in Maine. Uh, mm. It was a father and son. They weren't newbies. They were southbounding on the Appalachian Trail, and the father slipped and broke his ankle. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it took, the, they, I, it took them, I think, seven or eight hours to get him out because they were in the Maine wilderness. Yeah. And they don't just pull up an ambulance and haul you right. off on a gurney. Right. It took, I think, there, there were three different rescue teams to make this wow. process happen. Wow. And, you know, I, I hear these stories, even here in, in New York in the Catskills. Uh, I, re I read a story a few years ago, somebody breaking their ankle, hiking in the Catskills, and they were there for 10 hours. By the time, yeah, they didn't have any cell service. And so somebody had to go down and get them help. Mm -hmm. And then all that time that passed. Oh, wow. You know, so, you know, back to the point where, you know, time is of the essence. Yes, uh, yes. absolutely. Uh, I mean, you as a doctor, I mean, you think, you know, educating people of, I mean, we, I, I, we, we try to go to these wilderness first aid classes, et cetera, but, you know, is there anything we can do to help educate people to, to maybe get through these situations better? Right. I mean, if somebody right. breaks a rankle, that's going to happen. And that person got out safely, but I think people need to realize you could be there a long, long time waiting. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so so things like uh, you know the Garmin in Reach, uh, so that's a that's a great investment if you're going to be out, especially as a solo hiker. Um, and if God forbid something were to happen and you have nobody to to try to hike out to get help, uh, you know having these little devices to uh, to send a beacon to to where you are is a great thing. Uh, satellite phones for for those who are willing to invest in that. Uh, yeah, we, we, we cannot, in, you know, um, you know, do, uh, anything with cell phones <laughs> generally, uh, in these areas, but, but, you know, there's a, there's a large amount of information, a large amount of, uh, preparation and mindset to get to the point where you're, you're, you're prepared for all these things. And, you know, and I've really, you know, just really scratched the surface, honestly, in, in my personal little campaign, with my, uh, my Instagram page. But, you know, kind of like how, you know, in the hiking community, the Leave No Trace campaign is ubiquitous now. Not everyone practices it, unfortunately, but pretty much everybody knows this campaign. And it started out likely with, you know, a small person's you know effort or group uh, or what have you and you know got passed along and 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 most the majority of us you know adhere to that we'll pick up somebody else's garbage just for the future generation of complete strangers so that they can enjoy that environment well in much the same way i'm i'm hopeful that uh i mean i don't think i alone uh, will be able to start the campaign of of preparation uh, and, and I'm sure others are out there trying to do it as well, but, but I'm hopefully, um, going to be adding to that effort to, to help kind of educate and, and at least hit the high points, um, uh, of, you know, how to, you know, how to, how to dress in certain environments, you know, base layers and, you know, how to, how to have a hydration strategy before you get out and, how to keep electrolytes and nutrition, et cetera, and how to bring enough so that, you know, beyond what you expect to, to, to be out, if you're out, you know, expected to be out for a four hour hike or, you know, so that's about eight hours, um, then, you know, prepare for 16, uh, you know, that kind of thing and have a plan. And, uh, so, so, 
you know, I'm a little fumbling with the answer here maybe, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful to at least be a driving force toward a more public awareness and education for that, uh, that type of preparedness. And so I think that's the only way. And, and if we all kind of take, you know, take ownership of our own, then we ourselves, we can become ambassadors for others. And I think that's really how things do spread. Yeah, because like leave no trace, we all have a responsibility. If I'm hiking through the woods and I come across an injured hiker, I have a certain level of inherent responsibility to help that hiker. Yes. And I should have those skills to at least um, do what I can until we can get get them professional medical help. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and, or even, even simpler, you know, you know, just, you know, if you see somebody who, who's obviously underprepared, you know, equipment wise and say, Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm Rob, you know, how long you been hiking and all that stuff? Like, you know, you know, how long you out, you know, that kind of thing. And just so you start the conversation, you're like, you want to bring, you know, more water with you next time. You never know, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, if somebody says, Oh, I'll just, you know, just drink out of the, the, the river here. I'm like, Oh geez, you know, <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get with that river. You're going to get more sick and probably more dehydrated with all the diarrhea you're going to get. Um, and, and so, and, and, you know, kind of at least, you know, start the conversation with others on the trail and not, not, not in a condescending way, but, but, you know, in, in, in a way to approach it like, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm, been out here a little, little while and, you know, I've learned these few things. Definitely don't want to get caught, you know, in this and that and the other scenario. But, but back to your point, absolutely, we all have a, a responsibility either to, to address the, the, the illness, the, the injury, what have you on the spot. And for those who are not comfortable with that, at least to say, right, you know, I was planning on hiking, you know, this, that, and the other thing past this point, but, you know, this dude needs help. I'm going to go back to the trailhead and get back to cell service and uh, try to get, uh, you know, try to get rescue team out here, uh, medical help. And so, so if we take on that, that, that ownership uh, for one another, I think that's, it's also a huge help. Yeah. Cause Rob, it, it, I've had people from leave no trace, I had the Northeast representative on uh, I've had people from different parts of this. And it's like, there's a, there's a whole puzzle here of things that it sounds to me like just need to be brought together, right? Because we hear about, well, what's important is when you go out, you need to have a map compass and how to use it or some sort of navigation device, et cetera. So if you're that person running back to get help, or if you're the person who has cell service and you're hurt, you you, you need to know how to, you need to be able to direct that, those emergency personnel to, to get to you. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. It, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's more than just having, if you're fortunate enough to have cell service, uh, yeah. You know, well, I'm somewhere out in the Catskills in New York. Uh, <laughs> I think I parked on Spruceton Road on at one of the parking lots, but I'm in a lot of pain, so hurry and get here. Right, right. That, that narrows it down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and and, and uh, you know, so you mentioned maps. Uh, I uh, we're, we're planning on uh, going to uh, to Boulder in a couple weeks and uh, and hiking, and we ordered a uh, you know paper map and I have a, have a 20 year old son. Uh, and if, if he's going to be listening to this, he's going to laugh. Uh, he's like, dad, you know, we're in the 21st century. You can, you can get all these maps on your phone. And I'm like, yeah, but there's not many cell towers out, you know, 10 miles from the road. And what, you know, what in the scenario that, that you, you know, you don't have that cell service or it's, it's, you know, kind of that, like, you got one bar and it's not, you know, it's not in real time. And you had what you were, you know, where you were an hour ago. Um, and you don't know where you are currently. And I said, I, you know, I was telling him, you know, so I bring these paper maps and a, and a compass with me every time I go out. And if I don't have a map, I order one. And, you know, it's a $13 investment in general for, for a map. I said, my life's worth that much yeah uh, and and uh to and to know you know and, and when i'm out there like every turn i'm already referencing all right uh yeah it looks like that trail goes off to the right this one i think we want to go on left all right so we're gonna go left here and, and you know make a little notation on the map like hey we took the left here this other thing and um and you know I, we all should have that mindset like yeah, we want to go out. We want to quote unquote, get lost out there, but we don't really want to get lost. Uh, we all want to, at the end of our adventure, whether that's an hour, 
a day, a week, or a month, we all want to get home in one piece. And so I think if, if we begin our journeys with that mindset, I want to get home in one piece, I think that will raise this, at least the, that self-awareness to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think the map and compass skill is something that could be drifting away from us. I've been out in uh, uh, 2019, I was at a shelter in Massachusetts. I pull out my map and there's some like 20 something year olds and some guys in their early thirties. And they looked at me as I opened up my map and went through it. Like, you know, <laughs> like I was coming out of the 18th century, you know, like they were looking at John Muir, you know, it was like, <laughs> see, this is how we used to do things, you know, and they're there with their phones. Yeah. They say, you should look at, you should get this app. It's a lot easier. <laughs> Until your cell phone dies. You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Batteries die. GPS units fall. They, they fall on rocks. They fall in, in ponds and rivers and, you know, all kinds of things uh, go wrong. You know, if it can go wrong, it will. And uh, analog, you know, as, as Neanderthals it may be, it never stops working. Uh, and you got to really try to make it not work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, this seems, you know, it's an important thing to you. I guess as an ICU doctor, you see a lot. I mean, and it's got to go through your head at times that, you know, the what ifs, right? If if this precaution had been taken, or if they had done this sooner before they arrived at the before the emergency personnel showed up, mm-hmm. are those observations? Is that something you bring you bring into uh, into wilderness medicine? Uh, yes, I mean we, certainly we have technologies to take care of things. You know, if we get uh, let's say a you know a person who's been out, you know, and found in their car you know in a, in a snow drift will not down the southeast anymore but uh but when i was up up north uh you know somebody was basically you know came in from exposure to the to the cold and was hypothermic you know er would start warm fluids and then uh and then they they'd run them upstairs to the icu for us to to handle for the next however many days and uh and certainly we we have again the technologies to to transfer uh warm air uh to these patients but then you know you want to you want to translate that to the field and you know, all right yeah so take them out of any wet clothing they have you know and wrap them up make a fire so that warm uh warm air on them give them warm fluids if you you know you obviously don't carry iv bags with you so you give them warm fluids to to drink uh, and, and so those, those principles, uh, should definitely be carried in, in some form or other, uh, you know, and, and, you know, learn how to, you know, make that burrito bag in, in the field out of, you know, tarp and, uh, sleeping bags and et cetera, uh, to, to warm up that, that hypothermic patient. Uh, and that, that can certainly be done, uh, and gets done probably more often than we know. Uh, and, uh, so that's just one example, um, you know, heat exhaustion or heat stroke, heat strokes are a lot, a lot, a lot tougher of an animal to, to tackle in the wild, but, but heat exhaustion, you know, get them in the shade, get them out of the sun, hydrate them, uh, and look for signs of deterioration, but, but get help is, is probably step number two after recognizing, uh, what you've got on your hands. And, uh, and so recognizing there's a problem and, getting someone to, to come help and then addressing, you know, that as best you can in the field. Uh, but, but certainly, you know, and, you know, know, taking away all the, the, the technologies that we have in the ICU, it makes it more challenging, certainly, um, you know, a a bit of fun if, if that seems (laughs) a little twisted, uh, but, but the fun for a, for a doc, again, that, that challenge, the self-reliance, the, you know what? What can I use that I amongst of what I have to to help this person? Um, you know, becomes a lot more uh, uh, relevant. And you don't have to have a medical degree to know these things. Uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of folks who have no medical uh, degree, but are familiar with the concepts. And, and it doesn't take much to become familiar with those concepts. Yeah, you know, the most common injuries I hear about, at least in the areas where I hike, are usually broken bones or or bad cuts. Cuts that require stitching mm-hmm. and and you're, you're right you you don't need 
a medical degree to say, okay, I can, I have what I need to make a splint, right? I, I can look around my surroundings. Mm-hmm. I can get some sticks or if you're backpacking, I could take my tent poles and I can make a splint. Or mm-hmm. if it's an arm, I've got what I need. I've got clothing or a bandana to make a sling, uh, to make this right. person more comfortable as we walk them down to where they can get some medical attention. Uh, yeah, it's, right. it's some of it's just, and you know, I've been through a number of uh, wilderness first aid classes and I just can't get enough of them because I just think it's important just to keep reinforcing this stuff. Right, right. You know, and in, in, uh, you mentioned cuts, uh, and you know, there, there are some really deep cuts, uh, but uh, in which just you know, pressure on the area with a with clean cloth or gauze if you have it uh, to prevent a ton of bleeding. But the purpose of stitches is really to keep the edges of the cut together. So. What I do, actually, you know, I don't bring a, a suture kit with me most of the time that I'm out. I just bring a, a good quality tape. Um, and and all you do is, you know, of the cut, you just you just push the, the edges of that cut together. And if you're alone, then you, you got to do it maybe using your teeth a little bit uh, with the tape. But but basically draw the tape across the, the cut with the two edges, you know, opposing one another uh, to to prevent that bleeding to, to, you know, aid in that healing. If it's a dirty cut, then, then you got to wash that sucker out really good and really well before, you know, closing it up long-term, but, but short-term you can, you can close it up and, uh, and not worry too much about, uh, you know, bad illness, um, you know, tetanus shots, you know, something as stupid as that, you know, how many of us are up to date? I'm probably not up to date on my tetanus shot actually. Uh, but, but how many of us escape that? Um, and you know, if you're out there and you come across, you know, some, you know, whatever, you know, a, a down plane or something like that out in the middle of nowhere and you're poking around there and you get caught, you like, know, oh crap. Um, you know, that, that, that could rear its ugly head. Certainly, uh, that we don't come across those things too much, but, but out in, you know, say a rural wherever you get, you know, old farm equipment or what have you, uh, uh, that are rusty and, and prone to cut if you're kind of poking around in there. Uh, so it's a lot, a lot of things to, to think about and, uh, to, to, you know, approach with, with a prevention mindset, which reminds me that now I'm going to get my tetanus shot. Now I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here saying you're, you started over that. I'm saying you're a doctor and you fell behind in yours. Uh, yeah. now, now I don't feel so embarrassed admitting I was two years behind on getting mine. Or my, my doctor looked and said, you know, you you really need to get a tetanus shot. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's definitely not something that keeps on the, on the, on the, the, in the front, forefront of our thoughts, you know, uh, but, but that's a, that's a simple, you know, preventive, pre- preventative intervention that, uh, you know, that we should all be doing. Um, and a lot of these things are, are what could make a big difference for somebody, right? If, if like, you know, the idea with the, the duct tape to hold a wound together, right? So, you know, maybe you can, you can at least get yourself somewhere where it's safer or they can get a vehicle to you, or you can, you know, if you're able to move, uh, but knowing these, these, this little bit of knowledge, right, it could really make a difference. Um, if not in saving somebody's life, maybe saving a limb or a bad infection. <laughs> right, right, or preventing from from bleeding out or what have you. Absolutely. Now, another very common injury I hear about is is uh, hypothermia, and mm-hmm. you, you've talked about that. And uh, you know, with me, I just you know I, I would never go out by myself hiking in the winter or in a situation like that. And even when I hike by myself, it's on the Appalachian trail when I know there's going to be a lot of people out there, but, but my winter hiking, I have a group of guys I hike with two guys I hike with. And I, there's a lot of confidence we have in each other because we are prepared. And with hypothermia, your preparation is, Hey, if somebody becomes hypothermic, we better have enough, you know, enough clothing. It's like, okay, all hands on deck, go through your bags and pull out your sweats, your dry sweatshirts and uh, your mylar blankets and get this person warmed up. Right. Absolutely. That knowledge of knowing, get them out of the wet clothes and whatever we have, get them into the warm clothes and, and warm them up. Right. Right. And I, you know, I just, I cringe if I'm out there and you know, the cold weather and, or snowy weather and I see somebody hiking in jeans and I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, no cotton ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, and, and so even knowing how to dress uh, and, and, you know, certainly like you mentioned, bring, bring a, uh, you know, a set of dry clothes with you. Um, uh, but knowing how to dress, you know, base layers, 
uh, you know, you know, the over layers there, you know, on top, you have your base layer, your mid and your, and your shell. Uh, and so those, those basics of, of, of dressing appropriately just to prevent hypothermia just from being out there. Um, and so that, you know, whatever you're sweating doesn't accumulate on your skin and cause more heat loss. That's why the no cotton for, for those who are not familiar with that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, using the right, you know, or, you know, using, you know, polyester blends, uh, wool, silk, you know, any of those uh, are, are definitely recommended for base layers, again, for those who are, are not as familiar. Um, and, and, and just, you know, and then there's the hypothermia from, you know, the folks who are <laughs> maybe going out on that, you know, quote unquote, frozen lake uh, that may not be as frozen as they think it was and actually submersing, uh, in that water. And then that becomes a, a big, a big issue. Uh, is you, you literally have, uh, under, under 10 minutes, uh, before you're, you're in huge trouble. Uh, so, um, and, and, you know, a lot of those folks will drown in the first two minutes because that, that initial plunge inside the, the cold water makes you gasp for air. And if you happen to be your mouth happens to be under the water um, at the time. You're going to be inhaling without without uh, uh, controlling it. You know, inhaling that water, um, and, and that's gonna. If you can get past the first two minutes, then you got the next eight to 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 live. Um, and so the other folks who are with you, hopefully, will get to you in time. And you know how to do that is is a whole technique and. Um, but it is, it's, it's a ton of information. I got a lot to do <laughs> to educate the, the folks who are, again, not as knowledgeable in, in, in this area, in the, all wow. these areas. It's important work you're doing, Rob, because, uh, I mean, and, you know, leaving no trace is important. We know that. And, and this is important <laughs> because we're talking about saving people's lives. And, you know, the other side of this, when somebody gets hurt, there's a lot of personnel involved in rescuing yeah. them. Yes, yes. And, and, and to, and to that point, not to interrupt you, but, and the personnel, you know, are mostly volunteers and they are taking on a certain amount of risk by, you know, by putting themselves, you know, in harm's way to get you. Yeah. Somebody wrote a piece um, up in the Adirondacks last year about that, that people need to keep in mind that the brave people that, that are going out there, they could get hurt as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they could slip they're you know they, they they're in an adrenaline rush trying to get to you uh you know they, they they have a chance of getting injured so yeah it's there's a big chain reaction that happens when somebody gets hurt and as i said in the introduction you know there's no way to guarantee we're not going to get hurt when we're out there we never plan on it happening but being prepared for that what if that can make a big difference yes yes absolutely and part of preparing is education uh, I mean, that's probably first and foremost is just educating yourself to be prepared for those what ifs. What do I do when it happens? And then what do I do next? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and so, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've mentioned in, uh, probably I think one of my Instagram posts and I'm, I'm trying to make it a, uh, you know, a coin phrase. And I don't know if anybody said this before, so I apologize to whoever it is who might have, uh, come up with it first, but preparation is the ultimate survival skill. And so if you can prepare well enough, you will avoid probably 90% of what bad things can happen. Uh, and if, if, you know, we can learn from each other um, and, you know, keep your, your packs, you know, uh, packed with those items that you would need in, in, the, in the shit hit the fan scenario. And, um, and I think that is, uh, that, 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 you know, I think that should be our, our first mindset. And again, even if it's an impromptu, you know, like, Hey, let's just go out for, you know, a quick two mile hike, you know, just, you know, let's just go out to whatever seems harmless, but even those are, are, are potentially, uh, uh, you know, of, of danger. So you, so in those impromptu circumstances, you grab your pack that's already got that stuff in it. And so I, so that's really what I, I, I try to, uh, you know, outline to the audience if 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 you don't have that kind of stuff outlined and prepared you know, for yourself, start start putting together a, a list of things and and uh, and hopefully you know I, I I only get to post about once a, a week at this point because of the, the the time commitments I have with 
with work. But uh, so I definitely won't get to that whole big list uh, anytime soon. But um, but you know just you know how to start a fire uh, and not bring matches that can get wet. Uh, you know it, it, like these different things uh, bring a little tinder with you along with whatever you bring. Um, uh, you know, all these little items that we can put in our packs that, you know, again, you can just grab like, you know, in, in the, uh, in the tactical world, they, you know, they talk about a, a go bag, uh, for, you know, you know, a shit hit the fan scenario. The go bag has some different things in there, but also includes some survival, uh, equipment. And, uh, and so our, our hiking packs should be our go bags for when we do wind up, you know, going out there. And for the people out there who count every ounce, uh, you know what? I have, and this is what I call it, if the shit hits the fan bag, okay? Yeah. I have a little blue stuff sack, and I have all the little things I can think of. I have water purification pills in here. I have a wool hat. I have a pair of gloves. I have a Mylar blanket, a bivy, one of those emergency bivvies. Mm-hmm. Just all that stuff that if myself or one of my hiking companions should get hurt or immobile, we can at least address it. We can start doing what we need to to create a safer situation to, to increase their, their chances of getting out of there safely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's not a lot of weight people. If you, you know, if you do it smart, it's not a lot of weight. Right. It's, and it's worth it. <laughs> I mean, you could, I'm sure you'd agree with me. It's, it's worth, if it's, if it's even an extra pound, it's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially you know, if your life or someone else's life depends on that little item, it makes all the difference. Just think, if you're out there hiking and your companion freezes to death because neither one of you had a Mylar blanket, you might think differently about that four-ounce Mylar blanket, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, so like a $3. I I forget how how inexpensive they are. You usually get two of them at one point, like two at once for a nominal, nominal amount of money. And uh, and again, weight, like you said. And now they they have these Mylar, uh, it's like a mummy sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. But the person can actually, you know, they could take off their wet clothes and get right into this thing. And then you could start handing them the, the dry clothes to start putting on right inside this bag that immediately will start trapping in their body. heat. Mm. And they're not expensive. I think mine was $10. And it's about, yeah. it's about the size, it fits in the palm of my hand. I don't know what the weight is. That's how little I care about something like that. But, you know, in right. terms of weight, but it fits in the palm of my hand. And I'm like, wow, this could, in that situation, wow, could this really be important? Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing is we hear about people panicking when they get hurt. Mm-hmm. And this is something when I was a scout leader, I was used to emphasize to the, to the youth. You know, the first thing is staying calm, you know, and keeping yourself calm first and foremost, and then keeping uh, the injured person calm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you know, I've seen, you know, especially with younger people, you know, you get an injury and even some blood can be very nerve wracking for them. <laughs> Even if it's just a little entry, you know, it's going to be nerve wracking. But, uh, you know, what do you suggest with that with, you know, in terms of, you know, we keep keeping, because it's got to be the same thing in, you know, an emergency room, somebody comes in, I'm sure the nurses and doctors in the emergency room are like, you know, we need to keep this pe- person calm. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, I, and, you know, to, uh, to begin with a, a funny an- anecdote, I, I uh, had known a, a cardiothoracic surgeon, so a heart surgeon, uh, who once told me, he said, the only, the only bleeding I'm afraid of is my own. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, when we see it coming from us, it's a whole different, uh, ball game. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, you see the, uh, you know, the, the TV shows with the, uh, the med student who like nearly passes out when they see somebody else's, uh, blood, but, um, but absolutely, um, it, it, you know, the, the, the panicking of the, of the individual, let's, let's say in the scenario of bleeding increases blood pressure, increases heart rate, and only increases the bleeding. Um, and in order to just calm down and those around them, just talk in a very calm and, you know, calm coaching voice, you know, we're going to get this right. We're going to put pressure on it and you're going to be all right. Somebody's going to go get help, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And just really just, uh, and, and, not moving quickly and panicky, uh, just, uh, you know, slowly and deliberately, all right, we're going to do this. And just matter of fact, even though, you know, kind of like, uh, the duck on the, on the surface of the water looks really calm and cool and underneath the surface is, uh, is paddling like hell. Uh, and, uh, and you can do a heck of a lot 
for someone else and yourself by um, by just kind of finding that place to uh, to come from that, that calm that calm place. Um, and certainly, you know, depending on the scenario in the medical facilities, uh, it, it can be pandemonium when it when it gets really bad, uh, as you have different you know lots of different people with lots of different roles running into each other trying to get their respective. Uh, equipment and, and supplies. And then you have all the onlookers coming in, just like kind of checking things out just for the gore factor and um, that you won't get out there so much. Uh, but, um, uh, but it, but it can get a little uh, hectic um, in more, you know, in a, in a small ER room uh, when, uh, you know, someone's, you know, literally uh, bleeding to death. Um, and, uh, and certainly, uh, and, and there is no calming down that that particular patient. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they're you know vomiting up or what have you. Uh, but uh, but but to keep ourselves and each other calm, you know, usually the the leader in the uh, in the room. Uh, if it's in the ICU, that's me. If it's in the ER, I I, I will well you know I I will default to the ER doc being the leader as uh, that's that's their that's their you know, that's their, their, their wheelhouse there. Uh, and you know, I'm there to just, you know, what can I do? What can I do for you? Uh, what do you need me to do kind of thing? Um, so everybody kind of tries to fall into their role, but just for the collective good. And, uh, you know, and we, we can all, you know, and we can all take lessons on that in the wild, you know, if, if you're, if you're injured or if you have somebody who's injured and you have multiple people in there, you either delegate or, Everyone pitches in, like, all right, can I? I'll, I'll put pressure on you. Hike back to the trailhead or wherever you can get cell service. Uh, you maybe go get some water, you know, uh, out of their pack and just you know have them start drinking and you know kind of you know whatever. Uh, and, and and so we can all kind of take our respective roles in that effort as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you're pursuing this passion of wilderness medicine, mm-hmm. and you've been sharing this on Instagram. Do you have any advice for people at this point? I like, you know, for example, people ask me how they can prepare for this. Well, I said, well, the first thing you can do is go find a, a for, um, American Red Cross Wilderness First Aid class and take it. And if you've taken it and your your certifications run out, take it again. Uh, do you have any advice you can give those of us who are the laymen out there that are going out into the wilderness to prepare us for not just for ourselves, but for, to protect uh, our companions or other people we may cross paths with? Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and honestly, there, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, like, and, and there probably is some, some stuff on YouTube, et cetera. Uh, but, but it's not as ubiquitous as it should be. Uh, like you mentioned, the first aid courses are, are invaluable and, and invariably people will lose that skill. You know, it's a, these are perishable skills. If you don't practice them, or, or practice that knowledge base or look through the, the, the guidebooks, et cetera, you might lose that, that, um, that those skills that you might have gained. Um, but, but really adhering to those principles, talking with others, uh, uh, you know, uh, either who you hike with, uh, or, or who, you know, you know, also hike or, or maybe more, uh, more experienced, you know, say, Hey, what, you know, what do you do? Well, you know, I'm going to go into this environment, you know, and I think, you know, humility, approaching with humility and, uh, and that, you know, wanting to gain that knowledge, you know, humans, we're, we're all very proud of ourselves and, you know, like, oh, yeah, I got this. Uh, but, but if you approach with humility, you know, it goes way, way further and, uh, and ask somebody who has a little bit more knowledge, um, whether it could even be a, a medical person that, you know, maybe not even hiking, but, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to go out into the wilderness. Where's some tips? Well, you know, what if I, what, what happens if I, you know, X, Y, or Z? Um, there are some books on the, uh, on the subject as well. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be the, the books that the rescuers and the, and the, and the, the docs and nurses read, but, uh, but there's some, some texts out there that are, um, they're, they're written in, in, in English and, uh, and, and get the points across. Uh, but, but, you know, I, where, where I'd like to kind of take this is, um, in all encompassing, not just the medical, 
but you know on the on the preparedness side the 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 equipment side um you know like you said map and compass how to use it you know we'd love to you know have a forum where i'm you know we're, we're teaching people how to do simple land navigation uh you know where you're going to and that means you know also where you're going back to where you, where you came from um you know, fire starters and tinder, shelter, uh, you know, these little things that you can bring with you that are not terribly heavy and how to use them in those scenarios in addition to the medical. And then, you know, there's all of the, you know, and I, I'm actually kind of a little uh, more, even more interested in nutrition and medicinal sources in the wilderness. And that changes with the different locations throughout the, 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 the world, you know, not only the country and, and differing seasons, um, you know, uh, you know, from, you know, if you're stuck in the middle of nowhere and you're, you know, starving, you know, not many people know you can cut out a, you know, two by two or two by four section of, of pine bark, you know, pine trees are pretty ubiquitous. And if you eat that white membranous inner bark from that, um, that's a good, you know, 60 to 80 calories, depending on how much of it you, you eat. It doesn't taste very good, but, but it will sustain you. Um, little things like that are, are just, you know, invaluable to not the, you know, I don't want people out there who are, who've got, you know, 10 cliff bars on them and like, Hey dude, you know, let's, let's cut up some, uh, some bark and eat it and, and put the tree at, at risk. Um, but you know, if people are out there and they don't have anything to eat, what can they, what, what can they use? Um, you know, they can make a pine needle tea for, for, uh, for, for you know, vitamins, uh, it has a ton of vitamins and minerals. And, you know, if you can boil water, then throw some pine needles in there and you've got, you know, you got a great source of, of, uh, of vitamins, you know, different things like that, uh, that you can use, um, Boiling a tea from uh, willow bark, you know, gives you a decent amount of uh, salicylate, which is basically aspirin, you know, as a as a pain reliever. Different things like that. Uh, and so, so that's the kind of stuff I really want to kind of help to put out there, and uh, have at least those who are interested really get to learn about and uh, and to hopefully they never have to use any of these skills, but they can again, maybe help in the campaign to educate one another. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting listening to you talk about the medicinal plants and, uh, and the you know, ways that we can get nutrition and, and even calories. Mm-hmm. And, because there are stories right here in the United States where people are sometimes lost for several days. Mm-hmm. You can go out for a one-day hike and you get lost and you could be out there for several days. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we all know that when you're – nutritionally deprived that's that's going to affect the way you think it's going to affect your cognitive abilities absolutely yeah, yeah. so yeah it sounds like the information you want to get out there that could, this is life and death stuff this right this could save your life if you're out there for days yeah this is this can make the difference of you mean you keeping yourself alert enough to find a way where you can be seen or to be rescued or just laying there and <laughs> hate to look at it so morbidly but just die let it happen right 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 exactly and and with that comes the 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 will to live the i'm not going to take this you know sitting down you know what am i going to do uh and and hopefully you know folks who who have the ability to have that mindset and it's clearly those who don't but those who, who do have that mindset hopefully they can take that to the preparedness side mm-hmm to learn about this stuff, to bring that stuff uh, for the just in case scenarios rather than only use it in the scenario where, you know, where they're having to figure it out. Yeah. And you mentioned Firestarter and I, I meant to get this in there before. Mm-hmm. Bring it with you, but make sure you know how to use this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. You got one of those, right. You've got one of those nice little flint things where you scrape it off and you can start. That's nice. You know, kids love playing with that stuff. But yeah, you need to know how to use it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun, actually, to practice with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I always carry a, a fire starter and uh, I usually have a, at least a half a sandwich bag full of uh, dryer lint as uh, tinder. And, uh, so I'll, I'll, yeah, and along with the, the scraper for my, uh, my fire starter is a little, a little grater. So you can actually grate some, uh, some wood dust 
off of a, you know, like a, a, you know, just a dry stick that's on the ground into the tinder, just sort of as a mixed media to, to blend in with your, um, with your kindling to, to actually keep the start, the spark and the initial flame going a little longer than the uh, dryer lint can. And, uh, you know, it wastes nothing. And, and, but, you know, that can mean the difference between no fire and a fire, uh, or, you know, freeze to death or, you know, I stayed warm for the night and, uh, I, God forbid, you know, you don't want, you don't want something as simple as that to, to hold you back from life. Right. And that goes back to my, when the shit, my, my, as I call it, shit hits the fan bag. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's worth a few ounces to put it in there. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Uh, fortunately I've never had to use it, knock on wood, but if that day were to come, it's there and I know how to use it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Rob, where can we find you? Where can we follow you and, uh, and, and get more of this interesting and and helpful advice? Uh, so I'm, I'm mostly on, uh, Instagram. I'm, uh, Dr. Rob Scanlon. Uh, so it's a DR underscore Rob Scanlon is one word on Instagram. Uh, I am, you know, we, we had talked a little bit about this uh, before recording, but, uh, but I'm, I'm working on uh, trying to get, uh, you know, some projects off the ground to, uh, to do more than one Instagram account can do and hopefully have a little bit more of a uh, public forum that, uh, that I can disseminate this information. Again, I'm, I don't claim to be the only one, but, um, but I'm the only one I know. Uh, who's, who's trying this and uh, doing it from a, a you know a medical uh, 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 background, um, and hopefully again start a you know leave no trace like campaign so that we can educate one another with the information we've gathered, um, and uh, and hopefully those projects will come off the ground, and um, and will hopefully be you know, talking about it another day, uh, that, uh, that, that we've actually made an impact on the statistics that I've, I've quoted earlier in the, in this podcast. Well, Rob, thank you for all your hard work on this. Uh, you know, and it is, we're seeing an increased number of people venturing into the outdoors. Mm-hmm. I don't think those numbers are going to drop now that we're, uh, uh, seem to be on the other side of the pandemic or coming out of the pandemic. We saw the numbers go up last year. I don't think they're going to go down. So, this is becoming increasingly important what you're doing. Uh, thank you for p- the effort you put into it. Well, thank you for the recognition, honestly. Uh, Dr. Robert Scanlon, thank you uh, for coming on Papa Bear Hikes today. Uh, it's thank been you, great. How I've enjoyed this conversation. And uh, you know what? We're going to keep following you. And if uh, you, you're always welcome back on here, if you have any updates you want to provide and uh, or any additional information you want to share with us. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yes, uh, please follow along and uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was. This was interesting. And I, like I said, this is uh, an area that I feel is really important. I know the listeners have heard me say this about other guests I've had on because these things are all important. You know, leave no trace is important. Dealing with uh, tick bites and, and, you know, preventing Lyme disease. Yes, that's important. Yes, this is all important information that I'm trying to uh, bring to the listeners. And and I'm always grateful when somebody uh, with your background comes on and shares it. So everybody, uh, I want to remind you, go to PapaBearHikes.com and join the team. All the cool hikers are joining. Go out and join the Papa Bear Hikes team. We're taking part in the 46 Climbs Challenge. Be part of a national community helping conquer suicide and mental illness. Your participation will spark countless conversations from the remote back country to social media while raising funds for the American foundation for suicide prevention. Hey, like I told you, all the best hikers are out there doing it. All the cool hikers are joining the team. So get out there with us and Hey, everybody be careful out there.
This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.